I could not cope. I couldn't deal with another loss. I couldn't survive another loss or whatever that means. And then you go through it and you're like, well, I've not really got much choice. Like I've got to just get up and live the day, the next day as it comes. And yeah. it's unbelievably difficult. Welcome along, everybody. Greetings, one and all. This is the Still Parents Podcast. We are on episode 51. My name is Dan. We're going to be here for the next, well, for live, uh, about an hour. And uh, listening back to the recorded one, about 40, 45 minutes. Dan, he's struggling because he's just had a fruit gum. I told him not to eat. And it's one of them where you have a fruit gum and then, like, your salivary glands just just keep going, don't they, for about an hour after you've had it. You need need teeth like mine to eat. Ryan brought in some fruit gums, like... If you're not listening, I'm not sure if you got them abroad, if you're not in England. I, I haven't had one since I was at school. And I completely, they stick, don't they? they it's like a little chewy filling. Yeah, it is. They're wicked. The <laughs> best <laughs> food. Oh, I'll tell you now, they are the best sweets out there, apart from anything fizzy or sour. So is that why at the start, could you tell I couldn't, I, yeah, I still had it stuck <laughs> into my teeth. I can eat these and still talk. All right, show off. I bet if you did it, you wouldn't be able to. You'd be like, you'd be dribbling. Well, there's a challenge we can end the show with. If you just save me a handful, <laughs> we'll do that at the end. How are you, Ryan? Are you well? Um, yeah, I'm all good. I'm I'm tired, but I'm all right. Yeah, we're uh, we've just had our golf day up and dinner dance. I was going to say we've seen each other. Even Matt, you're all right there, buddy. Hello, mate. We've seen each other a lot over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? Yeah, we, we have. So we saw each other just uh, what less than about forty hours ago, wasn't it? At Absolutely. The, the charity day. Uh, did you have a good time? How did it go? It was. It, I know it's a mad busy day for you and everyone. It was. It was. Uh, no, it was really, really good. We made just over eleven thousand five hundred pound from the nice event, work, yeah, which good. was which was good. It was a little bit down on previous events, but obviously because of the, um, the know current why? climate that we're in and so forth. That and also because the bar prices. I got charged thirty four pounds for two double whiskeys. <laughs> Dan uh, came in. He looked like he'd seen a ghost. Yeah, Dan, Dan, Dan's bat, Dan's bat manager's on the phone to him. Honestly, you whiskeys. know, when you're a bit of an idiot. I was stood at the bar, and I, I, you know, it's, it's not often you have cash on you these days, is it? Because, it's, but I had. So I was like, right, I've ordered a couple of whiskeys. I thought that's probably about a tenner. <laughs> so I went How to wrong tenner could you be? <laughs> the guy went, oh, "I'll be thirty-four pounds, please." I was like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, what? I only asked for two doubles, not the bottle. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> So tonight, it is part two of our chat with Roy Prestwich, who joined us uh, towards the end of February on episode number 46. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. Episode 46, so the link for that is in the description, and we'll explain why we've uh, we've got back on for a, for a two-party. First of all, can you hear us loud and clear, Roy? Hello there. It's Sheffield, isn't it? That's where you are. Sheffield, yeah, that's it. How are you, first of all, Roy? Welcome back on. Yeah, I'm steady, thank you. Have you had a good so, Easter? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was all right. Easter, I think, yeah, for me, weekends and, and bank holidays and holiday times are sort of, in grief terms, are probably the hardest. Yeah. Um, mm. I uh, prefer the normality of the week, even though my life's not very normal, but yeah. It makes sense yeah. that you say that. We've, I think we discussed on uh, one of the episodes in particular this because it's, yeah, those celebratory times, isn't it? Or times when families... Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and everybody always talks about family as well, and... It's it is a time for family, but when there's a significant member of your family not there, yeah. it's yeah. it's always a highlight of like ever difficult time. Our grief's still really early on, yeah. and this is different for, for a lot of people. Is that we only lost little by about eight months ago, yeah. um, and things have changed so much in our lives. Like it feels very difficult to even know where my head is at yeah. at certain times. It's like. Yeah, because things it's... are sort of evolving and things we've done so much in the last year 
seems crazy to think where I was at. Yeah, ago. we're gonna we're gonna um, touch on that in a few minutes because it has been a really. Uh, really traumatic and a, and a really busy time for you. Now, to fill you in, like I say, you can listen to the whole of Roy's first part, where because look, grief is grief is grief. It's it's very difficult. It's absolutely it's the it's the worst moment that you can imagine. But to have it happen twice in a short space of time, yeah, is the story totally. that you and Mim have gone through. And on that first episode, you spoke about Lenny. Yeah, December twenty twenty one, and and for for us as well, it's. It, it would be more understandable if the two losses were linked. Yeah. And there was a sort of genetic problem that we knew about that was was a cause of the two losses. But yeah. the fact that, you know, lightning doesn't happen, like, strike twice, yeah. well, it totally has done in our lives. Mm. And before that, you know, things were quite steady within our lives. But Lenny dying, then we thought, well, he died due to cord entanglement, yeah. um, conium aspiration, and then to like eight months later lose by in a completely different way yeah. was just like turns your whole world upside down. And you think, well, surely this can only happen once. I'm not going to be, not going to have to go through the, the loss of a child and the, another funeral and another post-mortem again. And the fact well, it was so soon after the, after the you know, Lenny. Yeah, because we, we, we fell pregnant quite quickly and we, we, we kind of knew that we knew that we wanted to bring home a living child. That That's the reality of it. And to not bring Lenny home was devastating. But that urge to bring a baby home was still there. Yeah. We tried again and got pregnant quite quickly. And everything was going fine throughout the pregnancy. It was, scans were, were good. Um, we, were, we were really looked after well. Everything seemed okay, but it was growing fine and stuff. And then it got to end of July. I was about, yeah, 18 weeks, which most people, like, that's pretty safe, 18 weeks. Yeah. You know, you're coming up to your 20-week scan. Most of the time, most normal people, you're home and dry. <laughs> we, because we'd lost Lenny, we were really still quite worried. Yeah. We knew, we you know we read loads of stories about pregnancy loss and child bereavement and things. So we we weren't like that naivety and that innocence of having a baby had completely gone because we'd lost Lenny. But we still we still had a certain degree of hope. Yeah. But then one evening, well, it was on a Friday afternoon. Mim was having like some cramps and stuff, which can be normal, and then a little bit of a little bit of. Ble- and then things escalated and got much worse um and then when it had a was was miscarrying went into hospital at the weekend which was really quite traumatic actually of of both of the stories my story for for us both is a little bit more medically traumatic than than Lenny's story in fact even though it was horrible losing Lenny yeah there was, it was all very clear and very open, and there was there was not so many unknowns. Right. I think you're not really questioning loads of stuff, and then losing by there was just like, whoa, there's like ten thousand questions that we got, we've got here. We're both really analytical. What was going on here? What were they doing with this? And there's there, there were loads of unanswered questions, and then that weekend, yeah, just we, we lost by by died and. 
we um, basically Mim didn't Mim's water's broken. He didn't have any water, and then um, she miscarried him. How does this happen to a how does this happen twice? And on top of the, yeah, exactly. Because on top, you're still dealing. What is it? Eight months since you, eight, you guys yeah, had lost Lenny. Months, yeah. So Roy, how it might sound like a really daft question, but have you been able? No, no. Have you been able to separate the two of them? Have you been able yeah. to like so you know because with them being so close together, I've never been in that position, but I I I don't know whether I'd be able to separate the two. I'd find it. Difficult, yeah. possibly. I don't know. Do you mean as I far as your grief? As far like yeah. As far as your emotion. Yeah, as far as your grief and your loss. I know they're two separate losses. I I completely get that. But yeah, you know, yeah. because they're so close together, have you been able to? You're you're still processing one, right? Yeah. And then and yeah, then another yeah. one's dropped and on top I of think, you. I think with grief, for me, on a personal level, is that you never fully process it. Well, you no. never really get through it. You never like it. Never goes away. It becomes integrated within your life, and I think the complexity of the grief becomes compounded after losing Vi. Mm. I think that was the big issue. It's just it's just more, and it's just different. I think because their gestations were too different as well, is that the grief feels slightly different. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Like I said, that as you, you you've rightly pointed out, you don't you don't ever process it completely, and there's always days, even now, you know, seven years down, that that will hit you in out of the blue. But you know, this just feels like a a double whammy, really, in a sense. Totally, totally, and that's it. Is that there are a lot of people that go like you probably heard this, be like, oh, I don't know how you cope with that, mm. and then I was the same. I was like, I I could not cope. I couldn't deal with another loss i couldn't survive another loss or whatever that means and then you go through it and you're like well I've not really got much choice like i've got to just get up and live the day the next day as it comes and yeah it's unbelievably difficult to some and extent how like you kind of make through the next 24 hours and you're like well that's another day ticked in the bag yeah and and to be honest as well roy it's almost the fight and flight isn't it you know, yeah, yeah. you say you just get up and you get on with it because you don't have any other option or any other choice but to get on with it. And like yeah, I've yeah. alluded to lots of other times throughout this podcast and lots of times where, where we've spoken to many different guests is that even though you're in that state of you've got the shock factor of it, you've also got the grief factor and the journey and the unknown of, of how you're going to be feeling on what certain day and what minute and, you know, everything like that. But ultimately like you say, you have to continue with your life and you have to continue with the day-to-day -day running of your life, paying the mortgage, paying the bills, as well as navigating your grief at the same time as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and having two different devastating experiences within such a short period of time between, obviously, Lenny and, and Bai is, is, again, I, I sort of echo what Matt says there, is that I don't think there's... I, I certainly wouldn't try and say something to try and understand it because I can't understand it because I haven't been through it. I've obviously only ever been through the one the one yeah. um, experience of, of losing Lily. So mm. I, I think my question for you is, you know, you, you, you lose Lenny and you're within that period where you're, tr where you, like you say, you want to bring a baby home, you want to have a family. You, mm -hmm. You're obviously discussing it and, and then this happens with... with I is yeah 
what questions do you start asking yourself? Because we know we're going to ask the question, why me? We know we're going to ask the question, what happened? We know we're going to ask the questions, you know, of, of, of all the normal questions that you start asking yourself when you when you put into this situation. But then you'd be forgiven for thinking to yourself, for start, for, for going into a hole, really, and starting to yeah. feel sorry for yourself. No, totally, totally. And the days that you do feel sorry for yourself and you question your, your, your why me, absolutely. And I think you probably, it's the same as having one loss. You, you have the, why, why is this happening to me? But then you have the second loss and you're like, come on, like, cut me a break. Like, I'm not such a bad guy, you know. Did you ever, get, did you ever, did you ever question? I mean, because I remember going through when, when we lost Lily and I used to question myself, what have I done? Have I Absolutely. done something somewhere? Yeah. Have I, and I, I, do you know what? I found myself going all the way back to when I could remember, even in primary school and I used to think to myself, oh, is it, is it because I did this? Is, is it, it because I did that? Is, is it, it payback for something? Is it Absolutely. payback for something? Is it, yeah. is it yeah, the, yeah, it's, and it's the questioning. Did you ever go through? I mean, I did, I did Ryan, I did exactly that. And my, I did. I think you go through every thought possible when you've lost a child and especially when you've lost another child of by, you know, what have I done in the past? But my conclusion was, is that it's not cause and effect. We don't live in a, like a just world. It's unfair. People, people, there's not a quota of the amount of good stuff that happens to people, the, the amount of bad stuff that happens to people. That's absolutely I'm true. still now susceptible to getting some heinous disease yeah. but I just don't know like it's it's not fair and, life and, is not fair and it's not like reward based no and this is actually Roy where I think you know where I I had friends to some extent who would say that, that, that almost spoke to you and treated you like it like it was risk and reward that whatever you had done in the past, people who do believe in karma, people that do believe in that spiritual side of things where, you know, if you do something bad, then something bad's going to happen to you. Or if you do something good, something good's going to happen to you. And there's no reasoning when you're in this position, when you've lost your child. You know, yeah. if somebody wants to say that to me, well, they're going to get told to F off because it's like, yeah. hang on a second, use your loaf because... I'm not even going to take on board what you are saying to me. But unfortunately, we experience that where yeah. you do get some absolutely idiotic comments. So, Ooh, sorry, say, just to clarify, so such as the one that springs to my mind because I'm, I'm religious and I've openly admitted this from certain people was, well, it's God's plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As a religious person, how did that make you? So, if you ask Crystal, yeah, she'd have gone down right, you know. And I, I even I struggled with that because I thought in my head, you know, because Crystal was was um, start not coming round to religion, but she was starting to come to church with me and yeah. things like this. Callie came along and like bang, you know, that's it. I'm do I'm done with that now because if there's a, if there and Ryan has said you said this before, if there is a God. Why does this happen? I right? said that to I, I. I can't remember who it was, but somebody had said something along the lines of, and this is why I don't like that. There's a, there's a, there's a, a quote that a lot of people wrote 
for us through social media channels, through messaging and stuff. And it was it went something along the lines of an angel wrote in the book of life to something for this earth or something like that. And I absolutely... Too beautiful for this yeah. earth, yeah. I can't stand that quote. No. Because I, I can't stand it. To, to bring up for people who listen for the first time for balance, because Matt, from a religious family, and you're the opposite. Yeah. So just at, so that it's just that that balance between, as you said, that reward thing. Have you done something in the past? Yeah. Is it karma? Matt's mentioned it because you said you... I, remember, I specifically remember the line. He said you'd questioned every prickish decision you'd made on, in yeah, your yeah, life. No, yeah, it, it, But it, from a religious standpoint, from a religious point of view, I the comfort that it brings me, and not again, not everyone believes this, and, I, and I, I'd never ram it down people's throat because people believe what they believe. My, my view is, whether rightly or wrongly, that at, at some point again... I believe that because I'm religious, I will yeah. I will see Callie again. Now that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that Ryan won't see Lily again mm. because he's not religious, yeah. right? But so I think it comes back to the point of your perspective on things. But yeah. it's it's like I said, from a religious point of view, there are there are plenty of things said that don't make sense to me. And like I said, I'm 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 religious. Did it make you question being religious? When it you actually made me stronger. Wow. Okay. Which is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Was it immediate? That's Fairly cool. quick. And then when Callie came along, it strengthened it even more. And I just think it's because it's it's my way of it's my way of holding comfort that I like I said I will I will I will meet her and she's waiting for me yeah. and I'll meet her again. How do you feel around that, Roy? Do you, are you? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't want to go too deep with religion, obviously. Cause it's a, it's a it's an interesting topic. Oh. I'd I would love to believe it. No, that yeah love, yeah. I'd love to be religious. I'd love yeah. to believe it. I just fundamentally can't. No, no I'm the I, same I, as you. Yeah. I feel like I feel like things are just completely way too chaotic. And yeah, I feel that's fair enough. Society loves this construct of we want a just world yeah. where there's there's this evenness and you know we we believe in God and then good things will happen and all that sort of thing and yeah. like. I just think so many things are just out of our control and it's all just this mess chaos. Yeah, yeah. That's my sort of like science head coming in. My parents and my brother's very religious. I just, I can't, I can't go there anymore. No, that's... Did, yeah. As a kid, I, I was brought up in a religious family, but I... Yeah. Now, after losing the two boys, I just, yeah. I, I can't, I can't square that. And that's completely understandable. It, it, it really is. And like I said, I... As a Christian, I, I, you know, um, I will never disrespect anyone who feels that way. And uh, the problem, unfortunately, with, with religion and people who just believe in that, they would be completely dismissive of Ryan and Roy's perspective. They would literally go like, "Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's nonsense." Yeah. But it, it, I believe that I'm I'm the kind of Christian that has an open mind. I believe in my I have my belief, but you can't dismiss. But I don't, I'm not going to dismiss your point of view either. No. It's it, exactly the same way, doesn't it? Like, because, I, I yeah. totally value your point of view and I totally respect what you believe and that's absolutely fine. But I think more people should be like that as well because it's, it's quite, because it, as you've both said, it could go the opposite way. But the fact that, you know, neither of you two, sorry, I'll be blunt, neither of you two are dickheads and can, <laughs> appreciate, can appreciate the other person's opinion. Yeah. And respect it. And that's such an important such an important thing to have but it comes back to the education around the subject of baby loss as well because it's you know i'm sure roy has bumped into 
possibly bumped into a few dickheads since he's lost the boys. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, and I have as well. And but this is why this, it keeps coming back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. This is why we're doing the podcast. It's educating people. It's educating people. It's twice in eight months and you yeah, mentioned yeah. not long after we started the podcast tonight how the, the difference between the two losses because on the second one for bye you felt like that you didn't have the answers yeah yeah totally and that is that still the case no no we have we had a post-mortem right. again which is obviously ridiculously difficult to go through mm. the process of having another post-mortem deciding to do that so we found out that he died due to placental abruption which is also quite a rare thing to happen at 18 weeks gestation in some ways, it's, I would say, reassuring that they're not connected and there's nothing that's wrong. But I'm, it's I'm also tragic it. that there's these two losses. Yeah. So the consultant saying there's no real reason, rhyme or reason of why you can't have healthy living children in the future, which is a reassuring thing because that's what we intended to do to start with. It doesn't make it any easier <laughs> because we still have two boys that died. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. which is really difficult, and we sort of live with that, and we grieve those every single day. In terms of the care that we received, I think this is what I'll pick up on a little bit later of why we started Lenny's Legacy and the charity. Yeah, but the the way that things were communicated to us was starkly different in the two different losses. Okay, um, so we were communicated about the loss of by really poorly, um, and the way that we were treated when we lost by was not very good. Um, and the way that we were treated when we lost Lenny was really good. And actually everything was really transparent and the grief was hard and heavy, but was lighter in the way that there was no unknowns and we could see everything was sort of laid out and that's why Lenny died. And that's what the postmortem said. And that's what the HC investigation said. And yeah, the question marks we all on had that, yeah. a, a sort of clear consensus on why Lenny died, but then um, why Bai died was a bit more complicated. I remember when you f came on for part one, before you, before you guys got pregnant with Lenny, I recall you saying that it was, it had been quite a difficult process because leading up to that, your, your wife Mim had been through some health struggles meaning that she wasn't able to try for a baby for a while. If, if Yeah, that's, right. that's exactly right, yeah. And none of those are linked, which yeah, is mad. Like her, her previous illnesses, she had something called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is like a raised heart rate when people stand up. Okay. okay. Um, and she's, she's not been ill with that for years. Yeah. She's, been, she's super active and, you know, we cycle all the time and we go to the gym and it's... It's never, it's not been a problem, so. Where are you at in terms of planning for the future and life with children? Is this something that you, you've spoke about I much? I think we, we definitely have set out our intention of trying to bring home a living child. Mim is pregnant again. Oh. Oh. No. Congratulations. Congratulations. When, when did you um, find that out? Uh, a while ago, actually, um, in New Zealand. No way. Okay. okay. Oh, wow. Um, so she's, yeah, 20 weeks along. Um, 21 so you, weeks now. So you're past, going fine. You're past that 18 yeah. week 
period yeah, at that point is, as well. Yeah, a significant mark. This last couple yeah. of weeks have been really difficult, actually. Yeah. Um, mentally, it's... It must be challenging. It's really hard. Well, uh, 100% of our children have died. Yeah, well, absolutely. Exactly. That's a horrible fact. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a horrible stat to say, but it's not... Yeah. For us, bringing home a child is... I have no experience of that. And it's not a guarantee at all. What's your um, care been like um, in this pregnancy? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. The hospital have been really good. We're going to... Is it the same hospital? The Rainbow, Rainbow Clinic in Manchester as well. Oh, uh, is, is that with... Um, Hazel. Dr. Hazel, yeah. Yeah, who, who's awesome. He's really, really good. Isn't it a sad well, state of affairs that you have to have experienced what you've experienced to be able to get the outstanding care in this pregnancy? Uh, 100%, 100%. I don't understand why it should, it just should be general care. It should that be. Should be. It should be the norm. It should, it should be. absolutely be the norm. Is that because there's a lack of agree. people at that level about to do it? Or, or is there a reason? I, I thought, I, we could do a whole podcast. We could, do you know what? We could do a whole... I'll, I'll come back on it and I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about it, but I've got loads to say about this. <laughs> go for it. Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I think, for me, the, there's the fundamental lack of funding at the moment, but... A lack of priority. Yeah. Um, people that are really good and really experienced aren't valued and aren't put in the right places. Mm. We have a bereavement midwife who's just pulled left, right, and centre. Yeah. Who should be training other other um, healthcare professionals to be as as good as she is. Mm. Professor Hazel should be training a Tommy's clinic in every single hospital. Mm. <laughs> That's how it should be trickling down, rather than then having them being on the face front of of, um, of delivering the good care. Yeah, they know how to do it. Yeah. So yep. why is that not spread more? So um, sorry to just cut in there, Robert. It's interesting what you say about that in the in the sense of when we lost Callie, I I remember very specifically, and and more so since the years have passed now, and I've got more time to reflect on it. There was only one member of staff. I have a lot of members of staff who kind of knew how to react yeah. to us losing losing Callie and and kind of no actually I, there was two because there was another woman who came and changed sheets for us in the middle of the night and she was very very kind and things but it was like me and Crystal had grown ahead each on top of the head we already had with some of the staff because they didn't they just didn't know how to, but then it goes back to what Ryan said. Uh, what we talked about before was the amount of training that goes into dealing with, yeah. with, with this. And and it is, as Ryan said, it is sad that that the care is not there, just as a normal everyday kind of thing. Yeah, you know? it's priority as well. Isn't yeah, it? ultimately, it's priority, and unfortunately, bereavement is not a priority within totally this country. And Again, what Roy said there, underfunding, having bereavement midwives removed from their role to go and do clinical work. Is it a conversation that's been had to, to get this done more? Do you, do you, do you know about any, any steps that, have, that may be being looked at? I, I, I'll be honest, I think I've said it a few times, at the, I've, I've said it a few times recently. In my opinion, the NHS is completely broken. Completely broken. For lots of different reasons. Not... Not solely with baby loss, yeah, but yeah. I think just in general, in my opinion, the NHS is just in a complete and a yeah. state of, of of mess. 
I actually heard something on the news this morning about the the uh, the nurse strikes and the junior doctor strikes and so forth, and how they'd had an offer, a pay offer, to try and stop these strikes, yeah, and that. it was very much a we'll give you this, and then you need to go back and and continue to put yourself at risk, and to put yourself you know into the hours and and do the job that you're paid to do. Mm. And I think there's a disconnect it's between... It's emotionless, isn't it? It's emotionless, absolutely. Right. absolutely. There's a massive, massive disconnect between the people who run the country, the people who are responsible for the funding into the NHS and into the, the specific areas, mm. the local CCGs, everything, I've got their hands tied behind their back because they're unable to put the funding in because they're not getting the funding from up above. <clears throat> Do you know what? Like Matt said, we could do a podcast. We could do a hundred episodes on this, and you still wouldn't get to it. You still wouldn't get an answer no. because ultimately you're just going around in this vicious circle. And it'd be interesting for anyone who's listening. Sorry, Ron. Just no, for, right. And for anyone who's listening, not in England. I know we've got through the yeah, yeah. How, how this relates to the care on offer where you're listening from. I can tell you now, though. If if you go to America, yeah. where healthcare is private and everyone pays their insurances for their health care and, and so forth. I know there's, I know not everywhere you're going to get exceptional care, yeah. but they're going to get good care because it's been paid for. I know we've got friends in Australia that pay a certain amount of money, and they have, I think it's called Medicare or something like that, which is slightly different over in Australia, New Zealand, and, and so forth. Nothing's perfect. Yeah, of course. But it just seems at the moment very much so that bereavement is just not a priority at all. And the thing is, in, in a step in there, we hear a lot of stories of people in the US where they come home from the hospital, bereaved parents, where they've lost a child and they've got a hundred grand bill to pay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. That is the most <laughs> fucked up thing I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. Like, you may be that, you leave the hospital and you've got a grant, like, yeah. A hundred grand bill to pay. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not right. No, it's that's not so right. Wrong. Yeah, it's not. We've Probably. got things wrong. Yeah, I totally agree with. But, but not that to that extent. So yeah, you're absolutely bills right. There, isn't it? Yeah. So, so yeah. sorry we couldn't help you with your family. By the way, here's a bill. Paying thirty days. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as well with um, with the NHS and and the we, we've alluded to it earlier on. When you look at a, a midwifery degree or a, or a postgrad degree in midwifery, you're looking at three hours worth of bereavement training. Three hours in a three-year degree course where these students are paying in excess of nine grand a year and you get three hours and the first person that you could be dealing with is somebody who has lost a baby. Yeah. What are you going to learn in three hours from that in order to take forward and and deal with it? I I I think there there are simple things that can be done in terms of bereavement training that are really, really easy that could make things so much better. And this yeah. is what we want to do with with Lenny's legacy in terms of yeah. um, the charity that we've set up. So tell us a bit. About, yeah, it's a great yeah, go point. Ahead, Roy, so yeah. tell us about the this, charity and what you do, yeah, and what you're doing with it. Sorry, Roy. Can I just jump in very, very yeah, quickly? Because yeah, Amy's just sent over a um, a, a really good um, point where we were talking about Australia. They've got ratios in Australia where midwives are only allowed to look after three ladies. Okay, otherwise it's illegal. You come over here. Okay, you you could be looking up, to, looking after to up on to shift, as yeah, shift, yeah. up to as many as eleven oh, ladies wow. postnatally. Well, yeah, you can't give the time. Needed, you can't really. give the time. You cannot. <laughs> if one of those ladies, if there's an emergency or if there's a, a massive need, then 
the other 10 don't get the, the support yeah. that they, you know, yeah. and, and this is where our system is completely broken. So I'm assuming in Australia, then they've got, also got a lot more midwives, maybe, because if you, you need a hell of a lot more so that you can yeah, look after all the people. So is it illegal? It's illegal to have any more than three. That's my well, that'll put a stop ladies. to it, wouldn't it, yeah? Well, yeah, but over here, you, well, you just, the, the government do what they like, don't they? So it's, you know, yeah. The charity has evolved. So we started off with just writing blogs online and writing a few resources for bereaved parents of uh, like, you know, this is how we feel about stuff. And then it's kind of escalated. And then we thought that me me and Mim have a certain skill set. So me being uh, a teacher and I've done sort of adult training courses and stuff. Um, and then Mim being a research consultant and has a background in psychology and social work that we thought we would put our heads together and develop a training course for healthcare professionals to be able to support bereaved parents um, and break bad news and communicate with bereaved parents in a better way. So it's just a, so we're starting off with this trial course, which is just a one hour session that we're going to deliver to the local hospital where we're going to sort of give them just a few little tools on ways to make things a bit better for bereaved parents in that immediate aftermath of losing a child. Those things can make such a massive difference. Like having somebody that comes in the room that greets the child and talks about the child yeah, in terms of saying their name and um, that's, that's looking brilliant. after the child and you not be... You just basically want to be felt, heard, the doctors and hospital to be really transparent yeah. and for them to care about you and your baby. I think that's a huge thing. It's just feeling like they it's, care, isn't it? It's not just going about the day. Treating us like people. We've, yeah. we've said yeah. this, you know, like we, we've said that it links right, right back into the whole stigma around, around people who've lost babies, you know. It's, it's, that, it's that complete lack of understanding in in the fact that it's like it's on a, on a completely different level it's like if you look at like um celebrities or, or or footballers or people who earn all the money they need in the world right and then you have a go like i've seen something today on um uh, with delhi ali in the in in um he was uh he's over in turkey isn't he yeah there? and he's having a dreadful time yeah. look I, I know he probably hasn't helped himself but now the press are jumping on everything that he does yeah. because it's a story, right? Well, because he earns so much money, it means he's not allowed to suffer. And it's the human, it's the human it's side, bollocks, isn't, it? isn't it? Exactly, it's the human side. And it makes me laugh when, when, when fans get irate about players having to go back at a crowd member. I'm not being funny. If, I came to, if someone came to my work and was calling me a dickhead like every 10 minutes, I'd snap back. I'll snap back at Ryan. Right. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how, how are you, Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it's You're it, getting sacked in the morning. <laughs> sacked in the morning. <laughs> but it's, but it's absolutely true. The, yeah, yeah. And what Roy, what Roy is talking about is the human side. Yeah. It's the human element. It's that we are people who with feelings, yeah. and also, unfortunately, our feelings and our emotions and. I'm sorry. Well, I'm actually, I'm not sorry. I may snap at you a little bit quicker because I'm in this period of my life where I'm suffering yeah. and it's the worst thing I've been through. And actually, allow me to have that room to do that. But don't say something 
that's going to set me off. And and I think it's yeah. brilliant. I really do. And I think that what you're trying to do is is just going to help change the narrative, you know, and that's yeah. what we that's what yeah. we need. How can people find you, Roy? We have mainly on Instagram, I think Lenny's Legacy um, and Lenny's Legacy Charity uh, and then the website, um, Lenny's Legacy.co.uk. Okay, that's in the description. Um, there's, there's, we're sort of putting resources on there at the moment, but we kind of felt like we've got to give this a go. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not directly supporting bereaved parents because that's really not our <laughs> skills, but we want to be able to do something. And whether it works in a year and it's, and it's successful or whether it's not, it's uh, kind of something that we feel like something that we can have a significant impact in. Well, I, th- I think it's really important. And listen, it's the most obvious thing I'll say, but it definitely won't work if you don't at least try to do it. So, you know. Exactly. Thank you so much for joining us again, Roy. There's a couple of bits that I still want to talk to you about. Before you, before I forget, Matt, you mentioned something about when you were in the hospital with uh, Crystal and uh, the care you were getting. I just want you to elaborate when you described it. It was like you and Crystal had had an extra head which had grown onto the head that you already have. Yeah. The people who cared for us, in ge- they tried. They tried their best, okay? But like I said, I felt like at times that we were not... Do you mean it from an angle as if, that you felt as if they were talking to someone else? Like, yeah. Right, okay. uh, But also that they didn't understand... Right, okay. they, they didn't understand that how big this was at times. And then, like I said, there was, there was two people that really stuck out. There's one lady who... Well, three. Laura, who looked after us, was unbelievable the whole time. She was like our, one of our main midwives in there there was another one who came in during the night to change the sheets and she as Roy said she talked to Callie yeah. and she talked to Crystal about Callie and, and, oh, wow. and that was amazing but it's interesting going back to what Ryan said about the, the, the training and the amount of time you may get as far as bereavement training is concerned because I remember specifically and I think I've spoken about this before in the room at one point there was a uh, she must have been a, a junior midwife who was in with us and I looked across and she was in tears. She was sat in the corner in tears in her work gear and she was there. She was training, I think, at the time, possibly. I don't know. Or, or she, you know, but she was. She young... just done three hours. Well, probably, yeah. And then she just could not seem to get her head around what was going on. But yeah. if she's then done the three hours and then it's down to her yeah. to deliver this. But do you know what, as well? Yeah, that's a good point. To, to, to put a, a, a spin on it as well, is that you could have all the training in the world. And I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. You could have all the training in the world, but you can't train somebody to have compassion. No. And, and actually, when you come across... I mean, in the line of work we do, Matt, we obviously hear it a lot. And we hear the good and we hear the bad. Yeah. And we hear it every single day. And it alarms me the amount of bad stories that we hear because of a lack of just pure and utter human yeah. compassion. Yeah. Which is baffling because if, yeah. you, if you work as a, a midwife or a nurse, you work in the NHS, you're not doing it for the money, are you? No, exactly. Well, no. Surely you have a degree of compassion. Roy, you've, Roy, <laughs> you, you have literally right. nail on the head. Absolute nail on the head. And and yeah. that's what I think... It's so true. That's what bereaved parents it's who speak to us it? say yeah. they can't understand it because people do... You, it, Roy's absolutely right. You don't go into nursing or midwifery or something like that because you go into it because you care and because you want to make a difference and because you you want to help people. Yeah, oh, precisely that. I know it's, an, it's, it's a bit of a dumb comparison to make, but seeing as we just mentioned Deli Alley and just celebrities, people who've got these, you know, ridiculous riches, which is not their fault, no. you know, you, yeah. you get offered it, you're not going to say yeah, no, no, isn't it? It's agents. But really, you know, 
these these particular people in the NHS, these the people that you've just been describing, and as Roy said, they're not doing it for the money. Mm. Just give us, I mean, come on. Mm. These are the people that should be getting more handsomely rewarded for what they're oh, doing. Absolutely. Significantly oh, so. Absolutely. And this is why, uh, yeah, we can talk about the pandemic. We could talk yeah. about it until the cows come home and you think about what they, the NHS went through in that in that time period. Yeah, in yeah. That, in, you know, and how they're putting well, their lives clap, on the line. We used to clap them, didn't we? Yeah, we was used to clap day or was that once a week? Every no, Thursday. Every Thursday. Was that was weird. I was, that driving, was weird. I was driving up and down from Stoke then. I was like a key... Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get to the radio station. Key worker, Dan. Key worker. Um, which I don't know why. Like, really, <laughs> just playing Taylor Swift ten times an hour, right? <laughs> but I was driving home back to Birmingham, and I f- it was the first time they'd done the clap, and I didn't realise they were doing it. So I was driving through Smethwick. <laughs> Everyone's clapping, Dan. I'm like, Yay, what? Dan. It's like, have like someone written something on the back of the car? Like, <laughs> just married. Yeah. <laughs> that really threw me. It's that DJ. Give him a clap. Oh, yeah, they'll be clapping if they do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job you can buy things with claps now, isn't it? There are, there's a monetary value behind a clap. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 According to some of the wallies who run this country, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was yeah. A, the, that's it. That'll do. <laughs> in, in, in the protest, there was the one girl who put a sign up saying like. A clap's not going to pay my mortgage. No, it's like, so know. true, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it's simple as that, up, right? Yeah. He did go on as if he just like said the most intelligent thing in the world. Well, I've just saved England. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just saved England. Roy, before we go, I'd like you to, to uh, tell everyone about your recent exploits in New Zealand. You went all the yeah, way to the furthest country pretty much you can go from England. exciting bit of it, to yeah. be honest, the story. Um, so, basically, after Bai died, we were left again in a state of complete shock. So, we were thinking about the future and December, particularly, that it was going to be Christmas time. Uh, it was going to be Lenny's first birthday. It was going to be by his due date. And we thought, how the hell are we going to survive December? It's going to be really difficult yeah. as a month. So we decided, and it was Mim's idea, really. It was like, oh, should we go to New Zealand or the other side of the world? Yeah. You know, have some summer sun, just get away and just do... Oh, yeah, it'll be summer there, wouldn't it, in the December? Yeah. yeah. So we thought, oh, yeah, let's do that. And then so we looked into um, renting a camper van. Brilliant. And that was ridiculously expensive. So I thought, ah, sack that. That's too much. And then Mim goes to me, so how far is it? How how big is New Zealand? And I was like, oh, it's a sort of similar size to the UK, but it's two islands and whatever. And she says, why don't we cycle? And I was like, well, okay, let's cycle. (laughs) Is it a tandem? So, no, no. I wouldn't do a tandem. Uh, but we we like cycling. But yeah, we were just like right. Let's let's cycle. She was like, let's cycle the length of it. Oh wow! Let's just go from top to bottom. Okay. And then it kind of escalated to becoming like, oh, actually, what we'll do is we'll film it, which I thought was going to be dead easy. <laughs> now, obviously, being a physics teacher, I know loads about filming and, <laughs> and making a film. Yeah. <laughs> how much of an idiot I was! So, so we got a drone and I got a GoPro and we got some phones and stuff and we're like, right, we'll make a film out of it. Oh, great! We contacted some people and then we got it kind of escalated and we got sponsorship and people like local um, outdoor company outside gave us some kit. Oh, that's great! And we started to go fund me and people sort of like started chipping money and it kind of grew and grew and we raised quite a bit of money for the film and. Yeah, like we got all this footage, about 25 hours of footage. It was crazy. It was honestly mad weather, good weather, tears. Yeah, like, what an experience. Uh, just unreal. And Can people see the film? The film 
we're going to try and so the film's in pr process of being made. Um, we're we're in contact with Spielberg, um, Spielberg, a woman called Ellie, who's helping us make the film. Brilliant. Who fell off the most? Did anyone fall off? Uh, you got to fall off, off once. Mim, Mim on the first day, <laughs> it was that. like absolutely thrashing it down. <laughs> the weather the first. She went for it. I was horrendous, and the, we just we just put the bikes on. It's the first day on the bike. Yeah, the bikes were ridiculously heavy. We overpacked and stuff, <laughs> which which you always do, like on a side. A standard thing. Yes. Overpacked. We were riding through Auckland, and there was this like there's this curb, and the curbs are slightly different in New Zealand. And I said to him, right, this is the way that we need to go. I was riding behind her, and she didn't quite hear me, so she tried to pull up this curb, and the front wheel, because the bike oh, was so heavy at the back, one goal, yeah. just popped out, and she fell off the bike and really hurt herself. And I was Ouch. just like, I saw it, and I thought, right, this is the end of the trip. <laughs> Day one. I think suspected broken finger, but she powered, she powered on anyway. Cycled for, with Good this. on her. Yeah, it was an amazing trip, and it changed us a lot as, as people. Okay. My yeah. one thing is confidence in ourselves. Good. Well, I think it's absolutely fantastic that you've done that and everything that you've done as well with Lenny's Legacy and looking forward to seeing the film. So what, let, drop us a message when it's when it's done so we can uh, give it yeah, a push on our yeah. socials. And cool, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe and, even... and the, idea, the whole idea about the film was to document our yeah. grief yeah. and our grief journey. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's about baby loss and bereavement. And it's a little bit like what you guys are doing, but totally different in the... It's, Superb. It's, it's about raising awareness and about making child bereavement more accessible for yeah. for, for people. So people that no, might so want to see New Zealand that have not been had a, had a loss at all will maybe yeah. watch the film. I think that's brilliant. It's, and, and it's what we need, isn't it? You know, like we're saying, especially... We, we've mentioned this on the show before, especially things that we talked about earlier with the funding and governments and blah, blah, blah. But we've also never lived in, a, in an era, a period of time, when it's been easier to do something yourself. Mm. And, yeah. and I think it's great that, that you're doing that. Roy and uh, Mim, lots of love to you both. Congratulations. And we are looking forward to hearing from you again soon and, and looking forward to seeing the film as well when it's all yep, done. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. It yeah. might be shit. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that if that was the trailer? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. always get the same, like, you know the old school film trailers, they all sound the same, don't they? And it's like, a, join out now. The film the critics are calling could be shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be described as a film critic. Like. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> all the best. Lots of love to you and your family. And uh, we'd love to get you back on the show uh, some other point. Take care. That was Roy Prestwich. And part two, and like we say, the description uh, in the description for this, you'll be able to find the links to everything that we've spoken about on the uh, on the show this evening. And we are done. We will be back in a, a week from now. We got uh, he's coming on from the states, isn't he? Our next guest next right? week. Yeah. And he's had a, he's got. Oh, speaking of movies, Roy, he's had a bit of a he's got a bit of a movie background, hasn't he? Are we revealing it now? No, let's say. Oh, right. let's save it. Uh, right. So take care, everybody, and we'll see you next time on the Still Parents podcast. See you guys. Good evening. Bye. Bye.